We're preaching verse by verse through the Bible because we want to know the Bible. Amen? Amen. We want to learn what God has to say in a world that's so ignorant about God. We want to be wise about God. Amen? Know who He is, know how He works, and know what the Bible says about our God. We're being the 10th chapter of Matthew, and um, I enjoy preaching verse by verse through the Bible, and uh, it's important that we learn and that we grow, and uh, we learn all these wonderful names that are in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Who named a kid Bartholomew? But anyway, there may be a Bartholomew in here, I don't know, but who, who names a kid Thaddeus? Only a guy that used to be Judas, not Iscariot. But anyway, uh, we're going to be reading verse 1, and I'm going to read down to verse 5. We'll be looking at verse 1 through 16 today. And uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. And when Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, everybody say disciples, he gave unto them power or power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles, everybody say apostles, are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, that would be James the less, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, and that would be Judas, not Iscariot. Simon, the Canaanite, which would be Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who was the dirty rat that betrayed Jesus Christ. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go. You may be seated. I want to use for a subject this morning the Jesus team. The Jesus team. I want to be part of the Jesus team. Amen? And it's always a joy to learn about the things of the Lord. And um, if you'll notice, it gives a list of the 12 apostles. They began as disciples. Disciple means to learn, to, uh, to be taught to be disciplined, to follow the Lord. Apostle means to be sent out and to be fruitful and to display the majesty of God. So they started out as disciples. They ended up apostles. I believe with all my heart, as you read the roster of the 12 apostles or 12 disciples, that's the big 12, you, you read here in the 10th chapter, then in Mark chapter 3, Mark, uh, Luke chapter 6, and Acts chapter 1, you have the listing of the 12 apostles. Without exception, the first one that's always mentioned is Peter. And the last one is always Judas Iscariot, that dirty rat that betrayed Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't say dirty rat in the scriptures, but I feel that. I mean, we'd agree. Sometimes I smell a rat in church sometimes. But anyway. But I want us to see some things that's very important to learn. 
I want you to notice that they're put in twos. God sends them out, and Jesus sends them out in twos. It says Simon Peter and Andrew, James and John, that's the sons of thunder, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James the less, or Alphaeus, and Labaius, who is surnamed Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, how would you like to be assigned to him? Simon the Canaanite, which that was probably the origin he was from, but he was called a zealot. And he was assigned to Judas Iscariot. Those two were together. When they traveled, they went together. You could list them in fours, and they are, as you read, um, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Labaius, or Thaddeus, Simon, Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed our Lord. So, how many know Jesus saves people in bunches? He doesn't want you to be single, he wants you to become in bunches. Amen? That's what the church is all about, coming together in bunches. And... We're never to work alone. We're always to have a partner, a sidekick. And you stop and look at these. It's amazing the motley crowd he chose, the Lord chose. This is a motley crowd. Matthew, in one uh, reading of the scripture, I think it's Luke, called him a Levi. Now, he may have been of the tribe of Levi. He wasn't a Levite. If he had been a Levite, Matthew, he'd been kicked out because Matthew was a tax collector. And if Jesus can use anybody, if he can use a tax collector, he can use anybody. Amen? Hello. And a tax preparer, too, by the way. I had to mention that for Julie, for her sake. But you look at the combination. James and John, sons of thunder, who wanted to wipe out an entire city of Samaria because they didn't listen to him. Lord, can we call fire out of heaven? Consume them. Whom? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I've met some folks like that. Peter and, and John and James, and actually Peter and John worked a lot together, according to Acts chapter 3. Uh, James was killed as the first apostle, martyr in the Bible first. And so there's not a whole lot said of him because he was Dead in heaven, in heaven, not dead in heaven, alive in heaven, but dead on earth, sleep on earth. Now, I want you to notice the combination here. James, verse 3, the son of Alphaeus and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Now, Thaddeus is Judas, not Iscariot. And if I'd have been called Judas and knew Judas Iscariot, I'd change my name too. And he changed his name to Thaddeus. And he's referred to as Thaddeus many places on in the New Testament. I want you to notice the crowd that Jesus chose. When he came to earth to choose clusters of groups of people, when he came to pick his disciples, he did not go to the temple and get a Sadducee. Nor did he go to the temple and get a Pharisee. He didn't go get a scribe. 
He didn't go get a priest. Because the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, proved at a later date that they knew too much. At least they thought they knew too much. And so Jesus goes out on the streets and he finds people that don't know much. Woo, you qualify already. (laughs) Don't know much. He chooses Matthew. If he had been a Levite, he wouldn't be allowed in the temple because he'd have been kicked out because he was a tax collector. He chose Simon, the zealot. And you know Judas Iscariot was a thief from the beginning. He chose Simon, the zealot. You'll find that in the other places of of, uh, Mark chapter 3 and Luke chapter 6 and Acts chapter 1. He was a zealot. And uh, Simon, the zealot, was put with Judas Iscariot. They teamed up together. What a team. Judas the thief and Simon the zealot. Zealot meant that he was a person who defied the Roman authorities. He hated politics. He hated those that would rule over him. He was very unruly. In fact, he was probably called the dagger men. A zealot carried the name dagger men. And they got their name Daggermen because they hated the Roman soldiers so bad. They hated Rome so bad that they would find the Roman soldiers in a crowd. And they'd get in the crowd real thick and they'd take a dagger. And while the crowd was around the soldier, they'd thrust the dagger into their heart or their lungs and leave the dagger and be lost in the crowd. The Roman soldiers didn't know who did it. It just came because they were dagger men. That's who Simon the Zealot was. Boy, I tell you what, Jesus sure knew how to pick them. Amen? Don't you laugh, he picked you too. Amen? Now I want you to notice something that's very important. And I'm gonna call this the D team. We start out as the D team meaning disciples. We start out as disciples. Now, I want to begin by saying these disciples didn't know much about God, didn't know much about Jesus. They they believed in God. They were sold out to Judaism. But that's about as far as it went. They did not have a lot of intellectual knowledge about biblical things. They needed a teacher. And they got one. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls him to teach them disciples, discipline, follow the Lord. Remember Jesus said over and over over again, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. I'll show you the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me. And so Jesus got disciples to follow him, and disciple means simply to learn, to be disciplined, to grow, to get strong in the things of God. Now, when I was going to school, I don't know how they grade school today, but when I was going to school, and I may be telling my age, 
I would hide my grade card from mom and dad because my grade card looked bad. And they had the grade system. And I, I'm sure I'm telling my age, but A, B, C, D, and they skipped E and went to F. I got a teacher one time that decided to give me E's. I ran home and said, Mama, Mama, I got E's, E's, E's. And she looked at me and said, E means effort. And I don't believe it for a second, James. A meant you were really smart. If you weren't, wasn't not so smart, A minus. If you're a little almost smart, B. If you're almost to the place where you get an A, B plus, B minus, B. Then you go to C, your average boy. And then you go to D. And the lowest you can go before you end up with F was D minus. That was my chart. That was my chart. I had a D minus most of the time. I did accomplish, accomplish occasionally an F. In fact, I had one teacher in third grade that said, I don't know how to grade you. I'm going to give you an F minus. Now, I want you to understand, don't feel sorry for me. I, I finally grew up and had to learn. But when I was a young person, I thought learning, I thought school was a waste of time. There's crawdads in Garrison Spring. There's a junkyard behind the playground. I'm not going to waste my time. And some of you are that way spiritually in the things of God. You don't want to waste your time learning. Now, I know this book. I don't know everything in this book, but I know this book. But if I was going to give myself a grade, honestly, I'd have to say I'm about a C minus. Where you at? Where you at? I grade myself about a C minus. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I want to always walk in the things of God. But I want you to understand something that's very important. These 12 disciples were not really born again until after the resurrection. These 12 disciples knew who the Messiah was. And Messiah gripped their heart. And they got thrilled about Jesus, thrilled about Messiah. But they were dumb as a box of rocks. And Jesus taught them. He taught them not only the scriptures, he taught them how to behave. Sons of thunder, no electrocutions today. Zealot, get rid of your dagger. Judas, I know you're stealing from me. Have not I chose 12 of you, yet one of you is a devil, Jesus Christ said. And so I want you to understand something that's very important. When the disciples, and by the way, Peter was taught very powerfully. He was taught 
You can read that in Acts chapter 2, his first sermon, Acts chapter 4, his preaching, and then read First and Second Peter, and you're going to say, wow, he knew his scriptures. Well, he learned them from his master, Jesus Christ. You, didn't, you were not born knowing the scriptures. By the way, you were not born again knowing the scripture in its totality. You knew some of it. You knew enough to bring you to Christ. You knew enough to transform your life. But you did not know the scripture. You had to suck on the sincere milk of the word and grow thereby as a babe in Christ. So um, when Jesus picked these disciples, they were pretty, pretty rough around the edges. And I think they had great movements in their walk with Jesus, but they had a hard time grasping the resurrection. They had a hard time grasping. Peter made the greatest statement, thou art to Christ, the living Son of God. And Peter got that because the Father in heaven revealed that to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus Christ said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this unto you. So the Father's involved in your education. The Father's involved in my education. And Jesus is my teacher. He's not only my Lord and my God, he's my teacher. And the Holy Spirit is my teacher and my guardian that leads. But when we come to church in clusters, whether we're in teams of Peter and John, whether we're in four teams of, of Andrew and, and, and uh, Peter and James and John in clusters, the thing is God wants you to learn. He wants me to learn. And the people in the temple knew too much. At least they thought they did. And that's why Jesus Christ went on the streets and he got the nobodies, the fishermen, the tax collector that everybody hated. He went out and got those in the fields and he brought them in to teach them. Now, they weren't automatically saved. They, they came to a knowledge of salvation through the process. And so I want to say to everyone in this room, Join us. Let's learn together. Amen. That's why I preach verse by verse to the Bible. Join us. I included, let's learn together. Let's be disciples. Amen. Let's be disciplined disciples. No matter our past, no matter how we dress, no matter our weaknesses, no matter our hangups, no matter our temper, no matter our sinful hang-ups, no matter who you are, join up with the Jesus team and be a disciple to learn about God and the Bible, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Join up. You say, well, only saints are invited to church. Oh, no, everybody's invited to church because I want everybody to be on the D team, the disciple team. Amen? Amen? See, if someone comes in here and they're, not, they're, they're dressed improper or maybe they're using some language that's improper, 
I preached one time on the square when we first started out, and somebody, well, I'll be blankety blank. That's good preaching. <laughs> now, <laughs> and it was blankety blank good preaching. But anyway, <laughs> this is not a perfect hall for perfect people to get together and display our arrogant beliefs. This is a place where we learn and become disciples of Jesus Christ. Makes no difference what you wear. Makes no difference where you're from. Makes no difference your hangups. Makes no difference whether you're a sinner or a saint. You're welcome in the house of God because this is the D team. This is the disciple team. And we want you to join our team and learn about Jesus Christ. Join our team. Say, preacher, I don't think the church ought to be filled with drunks. I do. Drug addicts, I do. Prostitutes, I do. Thieves, I do. We'll watch our offering plate. But anyway, (laughs) angry people, I do. Unforgiving people, I do. I want this church to be filled with a bunch of people like the 12 that Jesus chose. And he chose to teach them. So join us. Let's learn the scriptures together. Let's don't have hang-ups. Let's don't look at someone and find criticism. Let's learn all we can about this Bible and about Jesus Christ. Amen? Because I'd like to get to a C+. Bless God, one day I'd like to get a B. Probably never get an A, but I'll get a B. So there's a D team, means disciple team. We need to be prepared. Notice what it says in verse 37 and 38, the previous chapter, chapter 9. It says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye to the Lord of the harvest. Who is he talking to? His disciples. Pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. The Lord of the harvest is Jesus Christ. He's Lord of lords, King of kings. And so the disciples prayed to Jesus, Lord of lords, Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors. Notice in verse 37 of chapter 9, it says, The harvest truly is plenteous, labors are few. This is an ominous day. There's ominous clouds gathering today. Politics is corrupt. All around us is corrupt. Economy's collapsing. People are stretched tighter than a guitar string. They're tempered. They're they're about to defuse. They're confused. They're depressed. They're discouraged. The clouds of judgment loom over the planet. The harvest is coming, and we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth harvest. Uh, labors into the harvest to bring people in to Jesus Christ and disciple them, teach them the word of God, share the good news of Jesus Christ and get people turned on to this book and turned on to following Jesus Christ because this is a harvest. I preached last Sunday, there's two harvests. One, a harvest of labor now. It's now. And then the harvest of judgment that's coming very soon. So they pray that Lord had harvest that he would send forth labors. And Jesus in chapter 10 says, congratulations. Your prayer has been heard. You're going. Amen? 
Jesus answered their prayer. And by the way, if you pray for the Lord to send, har- send labors into the harvest, the Lord answered your prayer too, probably through you going, growing in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Notice he says, you're going. And he tells his 12, verse 1, and when he called unto him his 12, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Now, wait a minute. They graduate. They step from disciples to apostles. That's good stuff. Because you're not going to send a disciple like Simon the Zealot out there with power to cast out devils. You're not going to send disciples out there untrained. They're going to be trained. They graduate. And the names of the 12 apostles were these, and I read the list to you. And he said in verse 5, go. Now we're looking at the 18 apostles. This is the Jesus team. Disciples, apostles. Apostles are sent out, and they're the big 12 apostles. In fact, 12 of these apostles, one of them denied the Lord, who was Peter. The other one betrayed the Lord, which was Judas Iscariot, and later hung himself and died. And in Acts chapter 1, they have 11 apostles, and Peter and others said, we need to get a 12th apostle. And so they got together and came up with a guy named Matthias. Matthias was the pick of man, but Apostle Paul was the pick of God. The Bible is very clear that in Revelation 21, verse 14, that the names of the apostles will be on the 12 foundations, the names of the apostles. Will Matthias be there or will Paul be there? Don't know. Make sure you get there so you can look. But I will tell you this, Matthias was not chosen directly by Jesus, but Saul of Tarshish was. And Matthias was not taught individually by Jesus. He might have been in some degree, but Paul was taught on the backside of the Arabian desert for three and a half years by Jesus. And by the way, he was taught mighty well. Apostle means sent off messenger. That's what apostle means, a sent off messenger. Did you know Jesus was called in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, an apostle? Jesus was called an apostle. Why? Because God the Father sent him with a message to planet earth. He was the first apostle apostles, king of kings, lord of lords, apostle apostles, sovereign God. And God sent his son He's the first apostle. Acts chapter 1, verse uh, 21 and 22 gives the qualifications of an apostle. I'm going to say some things that may upset some of you, but you need to hear this. Way too much nonsense going on on television, Christian network anymore. Way too much nonsense going on in the church today. Verse 21 and 22 of Acts chapter 1. Wherefore, these men which have 
accompanied with us all the time when the Lord Jesus Christ went in and out among us. So it tells us that these men, Barsabas and Matthias, was with John the Baptist or at least Jesus for some teaching. And it says in verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John, under the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be to witness with us of his resurrection. So the the requirement for an apostle was to be taught by Jesus, walk with Jesus, and see the resurrected Jesus. That was a requirement to be one of the big 12. Matthias did meet that requirement, but also Apostle Paul met that requirement as well because he did see Jesus the resurrected Lord, and he was taught of Jesus. He was one born out of due time, a different time frame, but yet he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, I believe that God has given to the church the fourfold ministry. Now, I, many, many of you have heard it called the fivefold ministry, but I think we need to stop and consider it being the fourfold ministry. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. I touched on this a little bit last Sunday. It says, And he gave, Jesus gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What did he give them for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're to be brought into a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in verse 13. So God gives to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, you say there's five there. Yes, but you have to understand, pastor and teacher is together. And one of the requirements for a pastor is he must be able to teach. He must be apt to teach. So we're going to call the pastor and the teacher the same person. Because a pastor must be able to teach and preach. Do the work of an evangelist. So it's a fourfold ministry, actually. You have the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Fourfold ministry. Now, do you believe in apostles today? Well, I believe in the big 12. I believe, actually, there's 14 of them. You can't have them all together that actually seen Jesus and was taught. 14 big ones, but we're going to call them the big dozen, the apostles. They're going to be on the foundations of the new city, Holy Jerusalem. Do you believe in apostles, preacher? Let me say this real quickly. An apostle is one that's sent out to build and to bring messages to people, nations and tribes in different places. That's an apostle. We're really describing a missionary. We're describing someone that is over other churches. We're describing someone that is leading other congregations like Paul did, but they're still not of the big 12. There's only one big 12, the apostles. But they are those that you could call apostles, but they are of a lower grade, and I hesitate to say that, but they are at a lower level because they didn't see the resurrected Jesus literally, nor did they walk with Jesus literally. So that makes them a, a little bit cheated somewhat. When I say cheated, I'm not saying that God is a respecter of person. I'm just saying that someone asked me one time, do you have apostles? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, really? What's their names? And I said, Paul. 
Peter, James, and John. Matthew and Bartholomew, and I gave the list. And he's all. Oh. He said, do you have any of them living? I said, yeah. Peter, James, and John, they're all living. Well, do you study their words? I said, yep, in the Bible. The church still has the big 12. We still have the apostleship in the church. And we can learn from them. Amen? Now, I'm not saying there isn't apostles, because there are, but they're not in the same vein or golden vein of the gospel as the big 12. Are you listening to me? So when you hear, hear someone run around, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, ah, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, ah, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. Don't tell me what you are, show me what you are. People get hung up on names, really get hung up on names. You know, I was reading the preacher's writing. He gave a good article, but he had 15 names in front of him. <laughs> Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, PhD, da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, I'd rather have a stable full of horse manure there's a bunch of dot, 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 dolls in front of my name. Well, Paul said, I count all that I know and have as dung, horse manure. Paul was a great theologian. Jesus didn't go to the temple, but he did get him a Pharisee. Later on, his name was Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. He didn't go into the temple because they knew too much. He went out on the streets to get people who didn't know much. And by the way, when he got done with Saul of Tarsus, Paul felt pretty stupid. He sucked his thumb and went to Damascus and asked for man of God to come and lay hands on him so he could see again and was filled with the Holy Ghost and the fish scales removed from his eyeballs. Now he says, I got to learn. Amen. Is anybody, can I get a witness in this house? Prophets. Are there prophets today? Well, we know there are prophets in the early church. We know there's prophets in the Old Testament. Is there prophets today? Well, just let me stop and say this right now. If they are, they're not telling everybody they are. They're just doing the work of a prophet. Not hung up in names. And You know, I've had a few people that called themselves prophets, and I, honestly, I wasn't wowed by them. I wasn't impressed by them. But I will say I met two people in my lifetime that I felt like that probably was on the verge of a prophetship. And I felt like one was David Wilkerson. He preached. He preached like the minor prophets in the Old Testament. If you ever heard David Wilkerson preach, he preached like a minor prophet. 
And then there's another one named Lester Summerall. I heard him preach. And he was right there at apostleship and prophet, but he never bragged about being either one. Are there prophets? Yeah, I haven't met too many of them. I wouldn't rule them out, but they better be correct when they start. Amen. This nonsense where you, you don't have to really have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can just fake it till you make it. Just go Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola until you start jabbering. That's a counterfeit. I even heard a preacher preach one time and he called it the school of prophets and he told all the prophets, it's okay for you to prophesy if you don't get it right. That doesn't matter. You're not always going to get it right. Whoa! We'll get Simon the Zealot after you. No, we don't need him. We'll get God after him. Now, you can say what you want to say, and, and I realize that there's some people in this room right now that you've got carried away with politics. But don't you ever put a man in politics above God. Don't you ever, don't you ever put your confidence in a man above God. And don't try to move that man into position and say God's doing it. Stop that, stop that. The person that's in the White House today is there because God allowed it. It was a providential will of God. It happened. Whether he stole it or not, we don't know. But God allowed it, and he's there. What would you think in God? <laughs> and God right now is probably saying, what was I thinking? But anyway. <laughs> but we don't worship a man. We don't, we don't put people up in places of politics and say they're the answer. They're not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. They're not the answer. You say, but God can use them. Yes, God can use a donkey to talk to. And I've heard some of them talk like donkeys before. God can use anybody. Look at here. I've got a C minus grade. God can use me. So he tells them to go. He sends them off as messengers. That's what an apostle is. He's a sent-off messenger, sending a message. He's sent off to, as a messenger. Apostle means to be sent. Now, notice in verse 2 through 16, we see that they're sent. Now, I'm going re to read this to you because uh, verse uh, 12, rather. Let me back up here. Change my mind a little bit. Okay, let's back up to five. Change my mind. That's why I've got a clean mind. I change it often. Matthew chapter 10, verse five. These 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go. Not into the way of the Gentiles, 
and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, notice he's not saying you go teach. He said you go preach. Teaching and preach is different. Preaching is stirring people, waking people up, encouraging, exhorting. You go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same message that John the Baptist had, same message that Jesus had. And while you're preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received and freely give. Provide neither script or no, uh, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And, and whatsoever city or town ye shall enter in, inquire who is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when you, when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to it. And whosoever shall not receive you, for, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house or the city, shake the dust off your feet. That's something they did to the Gentiles, only they're doing it to the Jews. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than in that day for the judgment than for the, that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, he sends these apostles. Their limit is they are to only go to Jews. They are to go to the cities around Jerusalem. They are to go only to the house of Israel to the Jew, Jewish brother. That was their limitation. They couldn't go into Samaria, couldn't go to the Gentiles. They had to go strictly, strictly to Jerusalem, strictly to the cities around Jerusalem, the Jewish people. And you're to preach, the kingdom, the king is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is Messiah. He's Lord. He's king of kings. He's here. I'll prove it. Rise up and walk, lame man. I'll prove it. Blind man, see. I'll prove it. There's a dead person. Get up and walk. Amen. And they went about doing miracles to prove that Jesus sent them. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. And so he tells them, and I want you to listen because this is real important that you see this. He tells them, don't you go anywhere but to the house of Israel. Now, I'm convinced that had Israel repented, had Jerusalem turned to the Messiah, had they heard the word that Jesus is King, Messiah is here, I believe they would have been saved then. And I believe King Jesus would have become king shortly after a tribulation period. I don't know exactly what would cause that to happen. Perhaps their Messiah will be crucified by Romans. Sound, sound, does that sound like you've heard that before? But yet they received Jesus Christ, so Israel's saved. What happens to the church? The Messiah still dies. He dies on the cross of Calvary. The Messiah still raises from the grave. Israel is spared the great tribulation, and the church is ushered in, and we go forward. I don't know exactly how that would work, but I know this. God's not going to tell his apostles to do something that don't work. 
It had the potential of working. Don't know exactly how it would have unfolded, but I believe that they could have received their Messiah at that moment. A short time of tribulation, probably seven years, the Messiah, the true Messiah Jesus, he's crucified, perhaps by Rome. Sound familiar? He rises again from the dead, and a church is born. Everything would be somewhat different, but the same still. Amen? Now notice verse 9, 10. Provide neither gold nor silver or brass in your purses. <laughs> I, I always have a problem with this King James phrase, all these purses. If Judy wants me to carry her purse, I don't do it. I'd hire a hitman to carry her purse. I'm not carrying a woman's purse. So I guess men had purses then. And I'm sure they looked manly, not sissy. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. So they were sent out. They would go to the house that's worthy. They were to find a house, and they were to find that house and stay there. And then they were to share the good news that the king has come, and that the world, if the house rejected it, they were to walk outside the house and treat them like Gentiles, dust the dust off the feet, and walk on and go on. They only did that to Gentiles, by the way. But Jesus told them to do it to the Jews if they rejected. Now, here's what I want you to see. There was four temptations that these apostles had when they, as they went. As they go, there's four temptations. Four temptations as they go. By the way, these four temptations are also for us as we go. Number one, the temptation of greed and riches. Verse 8 through 9, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Wait a minute, freely? I raise that person from the dead, that'd be 5,000 bucks, please. If you'll send me 10 grand right now under the anointing, your, 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 your mortgage will be paid off this year. He said, well, I did that. You need to be a disciple. You need to be taught. Amen? The temptation of riches. Notice what it says. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper. How many know that would be pretty lucrative? But he said, do it for free. Do it for free. Freely you've received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script. That script means a lunch box or a lunch sack. For your journey, neither two coats. He's talking to Judy there. But anyway, neither shoes. He's talking to the ladies there. Nor yet staves, that's a club, a rod. He's talking to the men there. For the workman is worthy of his meat. Now, there, there's the greed of riches. If a person will allow himself to be padded in the purse or the billfold, the pocket, the checkbook, through ministry, 
I'm not saying that God won't take care of us. But God didn't promise us five or six houses. I'm not saying God won't give us a good ride. He can put you on a donkey just like me. We'll have a ride. I'm not, God gets no glory out of poverty. But he gets no glory out of greed and riches either. God doesn't want us to live in poverty if we can avoid it. We should have a nice car to drive. We should have nice clothes to wear. We should take a shower every day. Soap up, suds up, rinse off, jump out, put on some clean clothes, and whoo, go after them. Tell people about Jesus. But notice he says the temptation for greed and riches. That happens to people. That happens to people. It's a proven fact. People who get a lot of money all at once, many times they'll divorce their spouse because they can't get along over the money and they go off. I know a preacher, a preacher friend of mine, his wife left him because she inherited a bunch of money and she didn't want him to get any of it. She destroyed a ministry there. Greed and riches. Money can corrupt. The preacher, you don't need a million dollars. Try me. Just try me. But we do know that riches can corrupt people. They fight over money. You let someone die, and they've got a car and a house, and there'll be two or three kids involved, and they fight each other over who gets the car, who gets this, and who gets that. Greed. Amen? That's why me and Judy is intended to die totally broke. I'm going to wear out the house. There'll be nothing to fight over. We're going to go out together broke. I don't mean we're going to live broke. We're going to be broke when we go. Amen? You can be rich or poor. Rich is better. But the warning to his apostle was, don't be swayed by greed and riches. Self-reliance is the second temptation. Well, you know, when I get all my ducks in a row, then I'll serve God. When I get my house paid off, then I'll come to church. When I get my car paid off, when things are better off, my job's going better, then I'll get in church and I'll serve God. Self-reliance. Notice 9 and 10. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script. That's a sack lunch. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet a club, a rod. For the workman is worthy of his meat. He's trying to say that you should, be self, you should not be self-reliance. You should not have self-reliance on you. You need to trust God. So I don't want you to go with anything. I want you to trust me. I don't want you, don't want you to take beef jerky with you. I want you to trust me. I don't want you to take a club to beat people up if they don't. You know, I don't want you to take a, a staff and beat people up if they come after you. I don't want you to do that. I want you to trust me. No self-reliance. Because riches in your pocket, a club by your hand, all the riches and silver you've got, good health, good blessing, nice wealth, you tend to have self-reliance. And Jesus Christ says, no, I want you to go out freely giving as you freely receive received.
Isn't that good? That is a danger. I knew a guy that came forward one time and he asked me, we were down on the square, he asked me, pray for me to get a job. I prayed for him to get a job. He got a good job. He got a big money-making job. I didn't see him again for two years. Two years later, he comes in, his chin is dragging the floor. He comes forward and says, preacher, would you pray that I get a job? I lost my job. And I said, not going to pray for you to get a job. I'm going to pray you never get one. Because you'll stay in church. Now, I know that's mean, but it's, you know, it's mean to get a blessing from God and run off and never give him praise. Never give him honor. Amen? Self-reliance. Here's another temptation. Resentment. Did you know that if you're going to resent people, you're going to do it in church among your peers? Resentment will come after you. Notice verse 12 and 15. And when you come into a house and salute it, and if the house be worthy, your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And, and whosoever you sh- shall not receive you, whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house or the city, shake off the dust from off your feet. It's real easy to get angry at people because they don't receive you. Resentment. You go into a house and they're all willing to be with you and they're willing to walk with you, but you find Jesus and the enemies in your own household turn against you. You begin to resent even family members. Begin to resent people talking about you. Begin to resent the negativism. And because you get to the place where you... And the Bible says in verse 15, to be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than in the day of judgment for that city. And by the way, that is going to happen to Israel. Israel's going to get it worse than Sodom and Gomorrah got it. It's called the Great Tribulation. They are going to get it. Notice verse 16. And this is the fourth temptation as you go, not only them, but you and I. The temptation to quit. Quitting. You let resentment build up, you let pain build up, and you get to the place where you want to quit. Quitting is not an option. You need, you need stick-to-ism. It's not a word, but it's yours, sticky. Stick-to-ism. Quitting's not an option. Look at verse 10, and most people misunderstand verse 16, but it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep among wolves. How many of you know that Wolves are not very nice to sheep. Amen? Wolves are mean. They're angry. They're furious. They're wicked. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you out among wolves. I'm going to send you out there in a hostile world. I'm going to send you out there among them scribes, Sadducees, and Pharisees. I'm going to send you out there, and they're going to treat you mean. I'm going to send you into houses, and when you actually show your true colors of Jesus, they're going to turn on you. You're tempted to have resentment, and you'll be tempted to quit. Notice verse 16, and this is a misunderstood statement. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, most people don't even know what that means. 
Doves, if you, if you stop and think about doves, they're smarter than serpents. Really. I've observed doves. They're smarter than serpents. So he's not talking about serpents a big Einstein with glasses on the end of its wiggle nose. Come for the wisdom. That's not what he's talking about. He's not even referring to the Garden of Eden. He said, I want you to be wise as serpents. Now, the reason serpents are called wise here is because everybody wants to kill them. Everybody wants to destroy them. And Jesus is telling them, be wise like a serpent. You know what a serpent to do? A serpent doesn't pick fights. You won't walk out there in the parking lot, but a Don's not going to walk out there in his car and there's going to be a serpent looking at him saying that you can't get in the car. Because Don's going to bushwhack that serpent. No serpent's going to come up to the church door and swivel in the door and say, hi there, just thought I'd join your service. Serpents are smarter than that. And so Jesus didn't tell him to go to the temple. He said, go to the city, the city, the city, but be wise as a serpent. Be smart enough to slip away. Don't be going causing trouble. Don't go out there causing problems. That's like running into an ISIS camp with a big sign, John 3.16, Jesus loves you. <laughs> I was working with a guy in, in, in a factory, and, and um, he just whined all the time. He was, a, he was a Pentecostal brother. Oh, people persecute me all the time. He said, I'm just so persecuted for Jesus. He'd go over every night. I'd hear him, oh, I'm so persecuted for Jesus. And he was. People, didn't hate, people hated him, didn't like him. But he was a mouthy person. He caused trouble everywhere he went. Oh, I'm just so persecuted for Jesus. And finally, I got all I could stand. I said, shut up. I said, you're not persecuted for Jesus. You're persecuted because you've got a big mouth. <laughs> That's what he means by be wise as a serpent. Don't go out picking fights. Learn how to slither away in the darkness or in the quietness and just don't, don't be causing trouble. Trouble's going to find you without you causing it. Amen? Be harmless as doves. Amen? Ozark basketball team calls, what are they called? Ozark Tigers? It was that when I was going to school, Tigers. Are they called Tigers still? You mean the woke generation ain't changed that? Humanity to, to humane society? Tiger. You never see a basketball team or a football team as their mascot, a dove. Doves never chase you down and pick your eyeballs out. Doves are quiet and gentle. Amen? Shoot, you even named chocolate after dove. You even, know, you even name hand soap after dove. And we're to be harmless as doves, wise as serpents.
Now, verse 17 and on the rest of the chapter, and we'll get into that next Sunday, there's a change. There's a switch. After verse 16, actually verse 16 on to the rest of the chapter, there's a switch. It's no longer to the house of Israel only. It's now projects into the future in our time and in the time to come. Even into the great tribulation period. And we'll see that in the verses ahead next Sunday. I am... If you can, the Bible is very clear to the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? The gospel is to be preached to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what Paul said, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I heard the story about a soldier in the Civil War that was killed. And his friends brought him to a large church. And at that church was a cemetery. And, and just inside the church property was a cemetery, and the soldiers went to the priest and said, we'd like to bury our friend in the cemetery, give him a decent funeral. And the priest said, well, he's not of our denomination. He's not one of us. I'm sorry, we can't bury him in our cemetery. And as the guy began to walk away, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just bury him just on the other side of the fence. Just bury him right across the fence. I think that'll be all right. He'll still be close to the cemetery. And so they buried their friend. A few days later, the friends came back that were living to find their friend that had been killed in the war, and they couldn't find their friend. He was nowhere to be seen where they buried him, couldn't find him. And finally, they went to the priest of the church and said, we buried our friend just on the other side of the fence and we can't find him. And the priest said, you know, after you left, I couldn't sleep at night and I felt so guilty that I got up in the night and I moved the fence to take in your soldier friend. I moved the fence. And that's what you see in the Bible you see Jesus moving the fence. He moves it from the Jews to the Gentiles. He moves it from the Jews to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He moves it to, for God so loved the world that the whole world is fenced off in the great love and mercy of God. Isn't that good? Woo, he moved the fence. You say, I'm an outsider. No, you're not. You're not an outsider. He moved the fence. He moved the graveyard. He moved it so you and I could have eternal life. Now, I went just a little bit longer than I expected to go today, but please hear me. This church has an invitation to all. Makes no difference whether you're rich, poor. Makes no difference whether you're educated, uneducated. Makes no difference how sinful or how wicked you've been. You don't have to be a born again child of God to come here. I said you don't have to be a born again child of God to come here. 
And neither do you have to be a born-again child of God to be discipled. We will disciple you, and we'll teach you. And as we teach you and disciple you, the resurrected Jesus will save you. It may take a while. It may take some time. But we want you to learn. Once again, I have about a C minus in biblical. I know the Bible. I don't know it all, but I know the Bible. I know what it means. I don't think that I'm highly educated in scriptures. But I have enough to teach people that have D minuses. I know what you're thinking. I'm an A-plus preacher. You can't tell me anything. I'm a B-plus. I'm an A-plus. Yeah, you're the one that nobody can do anything with. (laughs) Do you really want a preacher that looks down on you? No. Do I really want a congregation that looks up to me? No. I want a congregation that looks square with me because we're in this together and the clouds are ominous judgment is coming and we need to teach everything we can to everyone we can teach we need to disciple them who knows when God will say you apostle go now you may never be an apostle I'll never be an apostle You may never be an apostle, and very few will ever be apostles. But you can be the sent one. You can be what apostle means, sent out. Isn't that good? Now, there are people in this room that's wiser and more educated in the Scripture than I am. They are. But I got the microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. God called me here. He didn't call you here up here. God called me up here. He didn't call you up here. I know. I need to be hitching a ride somewhere, don't I? I want to learn. I want to be so infused with the life of the power of his resurrection, the knowledge of that. Before I go to heaven, I want to be so infused with his life. More. I don't want a D minus. I don't want a C. I don't want a C plus. I don't even want a B. I want an A plus. And I don't want an E. Well, he's got some effort there. Don't need that. Don't need that. Amen? Welcome to the D team. Some of you are at the D level. You know, you need to learn. I know you don't like being told you need to learn. Well, let me ask you a question. How many scriptures can you quote from memory? How many books do you know the theme of and know the, what the book's talking about? How much do you know about 
Christology, theology, the coming of Christ, end time teachings. How much do you know about the Bible? Well, I pray, well, so do I. And I pray that God will send forth laborers into the harvest. Amen. How much do you know about apologetics? Hominetics. Exegesis. You said, oh, them are all school, college level statements. Well, how much do you know about retribution? Reconciliation. Sanctification. Those are Bible words. Atonement. How much do you know? Well, welcome to the D team. We're disciples. We're going to learn. And you don't have to be a Christian to come here. We want to teach you what the scripture says. Shoot, you can be an atheist. We welcome you. We'll teach you all we can. All you need to be is teachable, at least listening, inquisitive of the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, Sunday night, I try to go into depth. Sunday, uh, Wednesday night, I try, come on, Josh. On, on Sunday night, I try to go in depth. Wednesday night, I try to go into depth. You see, we need to learn. We need to learn. We've got to learn this word. We've got to get ready because the ominous clouds are gathering. The storm clouds are coming. We need to learn what the scriptures teach. The Lord's Prayer. Not our Father which art in heaven. John chapter 17. The Lord's Prayer. We need to learn these things. We need to grow in the things of God. We need to learn the message of Christ. I'm convinced that many of you come to this church because you're learning. You come here because you're learning. I come here because I have to learn in order for you to learn. I got a deep thirst to learn. I just want to learn and worship my God. Stand with me.